Rock isn't dead. It's in flux. This is Britt with Rock and Flux, and I'm joined by Matt with the band Now After Nothing. We're going to spend some time talking about them and a new album and some new music that they have coming out. So, Matt, thank you for being here with me. I'm excited to have you and talk about Now After Nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. So, let's just start from the beginning. I know you have some new things coming up, but let's start about how Now After Nothing came about. How did this band, um, I know you're a dark wave band, so if you can just give me some background on the project. Yeah, so this is basically kind of a big return to music for me after a little bit of a hiatus. I had split up the last band I was in and really was just kind of after a couple of years was just really itching to get out there and start making music again. And yeah, I just got to a point where I just had to get the music out of me again. And as a first step, I kind of opened up some uh, old sessions in Pro Tools, some sessions of songs that I maybe hadn't finished before, or just hadn't you know, really spent a lot of time with and mm-hmm. was listening back to kind of jumpstart me a little bit and found a lot of really cool stuff that I you know, kind of forgot that I had written. And originally I was kind of really was thinking about doing just like a solo project and was going to play all the instruments and all that. And then as things really started to um, take shape with the songwriting, I realized I, I actually started as a drummer. I've since my chops have, are not what they used to be. <laughs> so I recruited an old drummer friend of mine and said, well, you know, played him some of the demos. And, you know, he said, yeah, let's do this. Oh, nice. And it's just two of you that are the main members of the band. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So I'm in the process of getting two other people on board so that we can kind of start the live shows. Okay. And so you started with like some older material. Did you start working with that to kind of renew it and base some new music on that? What was your recording process like? Yeah, you know, I I definitely went back to some old ideas that I hadn't finished because the thought of starting fresh completely from scratch was feeling a little daunting to me. So I needed something that kind of just, you know, set my mind at ease that that this was going, going to be possible again. Yeah, so a lot of it was, I mean, some of it was stuff that I had written, I mean, going back, you know, even before my last band. I'm kind of a big believer in like, you know, the song kind of picks you when it's ready. So a lot of times it was ideas that I've had for, I've been sitting on for years and just never, for whatever reason, the timing wasn't right for me to finish it. Or I just, you know, like I said, I just didn't have the time to kind of put the energy into it, you know, with my old bands uh, that I needed to. So I, I had gone back to all these old sessions and found some stuff that I thought was really good. Um, I got rid of a bunch of stuff that was crap. But um, yeah, I found some really good stuff that I was excited about. And then from there, that was enough to kind of really get my juices going again. And I was able to, um, I mean, in some cases, I completely rewrote the entire song from what that original idea was, if it were appropriate to do so. And in some cases, just having, you know, guitars and bass guitars in my hands again, you know, I would just start fooling around and all of a sudden I had a new riff for something new. And so, yeah, it kind of just took off like that. And like when you were recording, I'm assuming you played most of the other instruments other than drums, right? I did. So I played all of the bass guitars, all of the guitars, all the keyboards, all the vocals, I have a couple of guest guitar players that I'm pretty excited about that'll be, um, you know, on a few of the tracks as time uh, goes on and more of them get released. 
But yeah, the bulk of it was done by me. Cool. What was that kind of like? So when were you in the recording process? And kind of take me to, okay, it's two of you working together. Did you do a lot of that in a room together? Or were you kind of like, you know, doing your own thing and then throwing things through email back and forth? Or how did the recording process work? Well, in a lot of cases, I had kind of a blueprint for what the drums, what I envisioned the drums to be. So I would send the songs off to Michael. A lot of times I would say, hey, I really am kind of stuck on this idea. You know, just kind of take the rigidness out of it and give it a human feel. I mean, Mm -hmm. because most of the time I was just programming it real quick just for demo purposes. But yeah, I would send him an idea. I would kind of give him direction like, hey, this one, I kind of really like how it is. You know, and then mm-hmm. other ones, I was like, dude, take this and run with it. Do something that I like, what am I missing here? You can take it and do something that I'm not thinking of. So yeah. a lot of times it was like that. I mean, we would spend time kind of me with a bass guitar and him on drums and we would kind of hash a few things out like that. Mm-hmm. But most of it was really just me kind of sending him an idea. And then he would come back and be like, what do you think of this? And I would be like, dude, that's <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> So your your background was that you were a drummer. Do you feel like that changes kind of how you look at writing music and recording it and what you maybe focus on in those two different roles? It's almost like Phil Collins, you know what I mean? Because he was a drummer yeah. and now he's a singer. So I feel like maybe that gives you a different approach or a different thought on how things are written and recorded. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think like I, I wouldn't trade, you know, having started as a drummer for anything because I think it really helped me understand the importance in the contribution that drums make to a song. I think that's something that I probably would have missed otherwise. Even when I was a drummer, I had my philosophy was always that drums should be felt, not heard. By that, I always meant like you should kind of feel that rhythm, but I never wanted to hear something so kind of flashy or so off the mark that it kind of took you out of the song for a moment. Yeah. Like it was kind of distracting. So I think in that sense, it helped me kind of keep my eye on the bigger picture of a song in Mm -hmm. terms of what the flow should be, not throwing in too many things that kind of are distracting just for the sake of throwing things in. And then it was just a natural progression, like going from drums to bass, and that it really helped me to lock in the crux of the song as the rhythm section. Mm -hmm. Because I write most everything on bass to start with and then get it to lock in with the drums and then I will add in the guitars and keyboards and, and the vocals are kind of like the layers I put on top. Yeah. Do you think that your music tends, I, I've heard your new song, which is Sick Fix, which I feel is a little bit more rhythmic, especially to start. So do you feel like overall you kind of focus on a more rhythmic sort of focus and sound? Or do you also look at more of melodic components too? Yeah, I I probably, overall, I probably lean more towards melodic. Sick Fix is probably the heaviest of um, all the songs that I'll be releasing for this coming year anyway. I love the song. It's really got like, you know, that rhythmic drive, like you were saying. Yeah. It's one of the things that really, um, I mean, that was one of the earliest songs I actually kind of really pieced together for now after nothing. But generally, I tend to go a little moodier, a little... Not slow songs, but a little more mid-tempo, whereas mm-hmm. Sick Fix is, um, you know, more on the upbeat side. 
Yeah, and I definitely can see and hear the Sonic Youth and like the Bauhaus influence in that song. Yeah, no, it, it's all over there, no, yeah. no doubt. <laughs> I almost, I almost it reminds me a little bit of Interpol, a few elements of them as well. So it's a cool song. And can you tell me kind Thank of you. about like what made you choose that as the first one, especially if it is more heavy, you know, than what your the other songs that you're going to be releasing. You know, I, I think it was probably a few different things. I thought it was a good introduction to the band just because it's kind of like when you start a show, a lot of people tend to like, it's like you start with a bang, you kind of give them something to, for people to latch on to. So in that sense, I thought it was kind of an appropriate debut to the band because I really wanted to grab people's attention and something about the song I felt kind of does that. Whereas I was a little concerned that some of the mellower, moodier tunes might actually pigeonhole me too much in, the, right. in that direction. Whereas I try to be kind of versatile and, you know, write all sorts of yeah. different things. But yeah, I don't know, just something about the song itself just kind of, it felt like a good kind of opener to the band. So that was one of the reasons. And another reason was the mix engineer I'm working with. I played all the demos and it was one that he thought, you know, would be really fun for him to get started on. And then it was funny while I was talking with someone else about the backstory of that song. And I realized that that song was kind of like, in, in some ways, it was like, it was kind of the defining moment for mm -hmm. starting this band. Because mm -hmm. as I said, it was one of these songs that, I mean, I literally just had like a 27 second clip of like a little bass line, just like that bass line in the verse and nothing else. And something, I, I just heard something in it. Like I kind yeah. of heard the entire song in my head and I spent the entire day getting it out and I finished them. I mean, literally the music was done at the end of the day. That's cool. It just seemed like that it was kind of the, not necessarily like, like the confidence booster I needed, but it was kind of the message I needed to give to myself mm -hmm. to be like, okay, I'm back in this. I can do this again. Right. That's cool. That makes sense. So you mentioned the mixer of that. So are you talking about Carl Glanville? Because um, he's worked with you two and Joan Jett and some others. So how did that relationship come about? Yeah, Carl is like, he's amazing. He's just a fantastic engineer. Yeah. He really is. You know, I, I just started putting people on a short list, you know, people that I would like to work with and mm -hmm. that would be accessible. I mean, I would love to have worked with like Flood or, you know, someone like that. And, mm -hmm. Um, obviously, that wasn't going to be uh, easy for me to reach, you know, even just reach someone like right. that. But Carl was on kind of my short list, and I reached out to a few different people. And uh, he was one who he came back to me, and he just had these great notes. Like he he just said, like without even exchanging anything other than like, "Hey, here's a link to these songs." My, you know, my name is Matt. <laughs> yeah. So on and so forth. He came back and he just was like, he just gave me really detailed thoughts he, on on what he enjoyed about the songs, and and it was almost like he instantly sold me right then and there because I thought, here's someone who's really going to get what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. And sure enough, like he he did. Like when he sent me back the first mix for Sick Fix, I. I was floored. I was like, this is just like, this is exactly what I envisioned it to be. Yeah. And I did all the recordings here at my home studio. And I knew that I had to hand it off to someone else because yeah. I was just too close to it at that yep. point. And yep. I'm not, you know, certainly not a mix engineer to the caliber that Carl is. So I wanted to hand it off to someone else and get some fresh ears on it. Yeah. And um, yeah, he just really knocked it out of the park. I'm so happy with his work and um, we will be uh, we're already working together on the next few singles nice and then it was mastered by john davis who also has done some cool work with the placebo and some other bands too so i mean it sounds like you're working with 
really good people with that, which is great. Yeah, John, um, again, I kind of started looking around, like, who could I get to master it? And (laughs) the thing with getting John was really simple. Like, I just, you know, he had done Battle for the Sun by Placebo (laughs) when Mm -hmm. I was sold. I was just like, you know, and and obviously he had a a lot of other great credentials behind his name. So I thought... Mm -hmm. Let me send it off to him and see what he does with it. But what's really funny is when Carl and I were trading emails and he, he had asked me, who, who are you getting to master it? And I mentioned John's name. And it was funny because he said, like, just like the day before I had written him, he had said he had asked a, a friend of his about some mastering contacts in London. Mm-hmm. And he said, one, like, the first name that came up was actually John Davis. So, oh, cool. um, so I knew I was in good hands. Nice. It's always good when things work out like that. So... Let's kind of talk about like your influences. So you're you're I think this music is really mainly focused in kind of like the dark wave, new wave aspect of things. Is that just the type of music you've always liked growing up and things like that? You know, what made you decide to kind of focus on that style? I don't even it wasn't really a conscious decision. I mean, it really yeah. was just the music that appealed to me. Yeah. I grew up listening to all sorts of different stuff and mm-hmm. I started playing drums at an early age, but the first time you know, I really like heard Sonic Youth and Sisters of Mercy and Bauhaus. And I was in a band I was back when I was a drummer. I was in a band with a bunch of guys that were a lot older than I. And they were, you know, all listening to that stuff. And, you know, they would throw me like CDs like, hey, check this out. See what you think. And I, you know, instantly fell for all those bands. I just that's exactly what I had been looking for my whole life. So when I actually started songwriting, you know, it, it all just came out of me pretty naturally. You know, it's interesting because earlier you had said that you were kind of worried about if you release some of your other songs first, that it might pigeonhole you. And it's been really interesting for me with starting this podcast and talking to different artists and, and bands and things like that, because obviously genre always comes up. And we're called rock and fucks with this, but I really feel that, you know, rock music can really be any music. I think that, you know, music streaming now has really changed the landscape of the way people consume and listen to music. And I think the good thing about that is you find more people that listen to a broad range of music, right? Because we're not necessarily going and listen. We we do. People do go and listen to an album in, in full. But I think a lot of people listen to playlists and things like that. So it's just, you know, a constant change up and mix of different things. And I do find that interesting. And I wonder, as a musician yourself, you know, if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely, obviously, the way that we've all, you know, consumed music has changed drastically from putting on a, a tape or a CD and just playing it cover to cover. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, and my tastes are so varied, you know, like, I mean, the way I write and the style is, you know, it, it's definitely kind of, you know, in that dark wave, goth, alt rock yeah. kind of genre. But mm-hmm. I mean, what I listen to is, you know, everything from, you know, the the Jesus and Mary chain to jellyfish, you right, know, right. I mean, I just I love anything that kind of, you know, strikes an emotional chord or keeps me interested because it's just doing some, you know, lots of I love ear candy, mm-hmm. um, you know, so a, a lot of things that like a band like jellyfish would do are just incredible. One of the good things about being out of the age of like an MTV or a commercial radio mm-hmm kind of thing is that a lot of those silos are breaking down whereas it used to be you know like think like back in the 80s when there was hair metal and then in the 90s when it was you know quote unquote alternative and whatever and it was all kind of marketing more than anything else right but i definitely think now it's 
it's much easier to kind of cross genres like that yeah. and hear multiple things that you like from different genres. Yeah. And it keeps things fresh for people, I'm sure. Well, I think the other nice thing about it, too, is I feel like bands are able to find each other more mm-hmm. easily than maybe they could before. And I do see a lot more collaboration between bands and doing remixes of each other's songs or brand new songs together. And I don't know that that would have happened necessarily as easily as it does now, just with social media and and things like Spotify and everything. I feel like people can find each other much more easily than they used to be able to. Because for me, you know, I'll listen to certain bands and then I'll see on Spotify that they have something together. And I think that personally for me as a fan of that music, it's cool to see artists working together back and forth. And I, I think that that's made that easier. Yeah, totally. I, I, I feel like I've been able to find so many cool bands that I certainly would not have otherwise he- have heard of, you know, just because of it. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. So now you, you have Sick Fix coming out. That's coming out on January 27th. Is that right? Correct. And then what is the plan from there? I think I read that you also have another song in February planned. Is that correct? That is correct. So okay. the second single, yeah, February 24th will be the release of that one. And that one's called Fixation Fantasy, which I actually, um, I just got the first draft mix of that one back from Carl and it sounds fantastic. Yeah. So it, it completely coincidental that they both, you know, have a fix in the title. Yeah. So um, what, how is that song but, different from Sick Fix? What can people expect? And also, here's another question in regard to that. What can people, because obviously, you know, this is new material. So what can they kind of expect overall from these songs that are going to be released? Yeah, so I I think, you know, having Fixation come out as the second single, that was a very conscious choice by me because it kind of shows the other direction of the pendulum as -hmm. far as the type of material that I write. Fixation is a much, it's a very dark, moody, trippy kind of sound with, you know, a a lot of, I I love to do vocal harmonies and there's harmonies all over that one. Mm -hmm. Much more mid-tempo, but um, still has like a really nice driving chorus. And it's less, it's structured less conventionally than a song like Six Fixes. And so are you planning on just releasing these each as singles, all of these songs, or ultimately is this going to be an album that's going to come out? So originally the plan was to kind of, you know, release maybe three or four singles and then package them plus a few others as an EP. I keep going back and forth on if whether or not that's still going to be the plan. I feel like, um, I mean, eventually, like all of these songs will end up on an album or EP or something, but... The more I think about it, the more I wonder what really the benefit is of packaging something as an EP uh, or an LP when, I mean, I'm not going to be selling physical product, really. I don't anticipate that I I will. I mean, I could put something out on vinyl, but, um, you know, like I'm I'm just not there yet. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is still kind of early and very early in the band's life. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at some point down the road, yes, there will be like a a collection of sorts yeah. <laughs> that is put out put out at one time. But for now, the ultimate goal is I just, you know, I just want to introduce everyone mm-hmm. to these songs. So I'm just, the plan is to release a song a month. Okay. And then do you think that you'll be doing any touring or shows? You're based in Atlanta. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Yeah. That's certainly the goal. Once I can kind of, you know, I'm so busy doing some of the, I'm, I'm still recording some mm-hmm. of the songs and, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, I am 
actively searching now for um, a couple other members to help fill out the lineup. And I, yeah, my goal is to definitely be playing shows as soon as I can. And then do you think if that would be like a tour, or are you going to just probably start locally and then kind of see where you go from there? Yeah, I mean, I think realistically, no one's going to offer an unknown band a tour. So, and, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to tour and spend a lot of money and play for no one at this point mm-hmm. until some people have really had a chance to hear what we do and might be interested in coming. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we'll start with like local stuff, but um, I'm not opposed to playing wherever we're invited. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I think, you know, you read a lot about it, but it, it it always makes the most sense and is best for the band if you play however often you can, you know, because you got to start somewhere. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Sometimes I have to remind myself that this is a brand new band, right? Yeah. Like I've played in other bands and, you know, I've played shows up and down the East Coast and, I, you know, I've done all that. But I do have to remind myself, OK, this is a completely brand new entity. Sick Fix is the debut single. Yeah. Um, yeah. And no one knows who we are yet, you know, and, yeah. and that's to be expected. So. Yeah, but you're doing the right things. You know what I mean? You're planning out your releases, you're doing press and everything like that. So the beauty of it is with the social and, and things like that we were talking about before, it is a lot easier for people to find music. And the thing I do like about Spotify, too, is with that algorithm that they have, you know, you might listen to one artist and that's how you find new music because it'll suggest other songs based on what you've already been listening to, which is kind of cool. So Typically, I do ask this question to some of our guests. So the theme of Rock and Flux is that rock is not dead. It's just in flux. And and the reason for that is because it kind of goes back to the genre conversation we were having, right? Like there's different caveats within music and different little subgenres like the goth and industrial. And, and then post-punk I have found is like this overarching new term that personally I feel can have a variety of different artists, which I actually kind of like. So the question is, like, in your perspective, being in different bands and and as in a band now yourself, do you think rock is dead? Uh, No, definitely not. I think, like you said, I mean, you know, people may call it different things and people may, you know, whatever. But certainly it's changed in terms of the uh, the social kind of penetration of, you know, these are like the top artists and, you know, the way that we used to be force fed you know, from major labels, we were force fed. These are the bands that you're going to listen to. Mm-hmm. And because we didn't have the access, like, you know, just like we were saying, we didn't have the access to find um, all these like, you know, bands that were still playing like, you know, the small clubs around their hometowns. But that in and of itself is like when you see Spotify, when you can, you know, you are able to hear artists from across the country or across the world that you, you know, otherwise would not have heard of. And the fact that there's just probably millions of them out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's definitely, um, that's proof right there that rock is not dead. Right. Can you give me your your top five uh, rock bands of all time? And also from that, and it doesn't have to be the same people, if you could work with any artist, living or dead, who would you want to work with? Ooh, okay. Um, Top five of all time. Well, placebo is number one. I would say I got to make sure I don't forget anyone. <laughs> Five is hard. It can be hard. Yeah, it is. Bauhaus, The Cure, um, Sonic Youth. And I'm trying to think very carefully as to I, I, I got to make sure I don't leave anyone out. But um, <laughs> I, let me let me come back to the fifth one. Um, I, I did hit the top four really good. Yeah. So. Sometimes it's actually easier to do three than five, I think. 
Yeah, you know? yeah. But yeah, definitely those four bands are certainly in my top five. And okay. then if you would ask me like a couple years ago, I might have said Love and Rockets, but I kind of consider them all part of the Bauhaus family. So yeah. I think I you know, kind of get a pass on that. So what's funny, it, what's funny, though, is I was recently asked the question about who would you want to collaborate with? And immediately I always think of someone like, you know, like like a like Flood, like a producer or someone like that. But I've been on this really, this is completely out of left field, I think. Not completely, but mm-hmm. out of left field. I've been on a big Veruca Salt kick lately. Okay. God, they're just fantastic. <laughs> they didn't get a whole um, lot of credit back in the 90s. They only had that one song that was really well known, but they were a good band. They yeah. were a great band. And what I always loved, and I really got into their deeper album cuts. They had some really moody stuff. Their bigger singles were very catchy and, you know, Certainly mean that in the best way possible, not as a diss, but as a to commend them for it. But yeah, some of their deeper album cuts were just really moody and their harmonies were amazing. And yeah, I've just been listening to them a lot lately, actually. So because the harmonies really appeal to me for sure. So yeah, so my answer to that same question recently was uh, Nina and Louise from Veruca Salt. But I also... I'd mentioned Adrian Ballou because, okay. I mean, you know, the guy's just an unreal guitar player and, yeah. you know, a- any of those people. Okay. It's funny because my, one of my friends from college actually played bass in Adrian Ballou's in his trio band. So oh, there's awesome. a connection there. Yeah. She's great. Her name's uh, Julie Slick. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Those are the main questions that I had for you. I really do appreciate you coming to talk with me today. It's been um, nice to kind of get to know you and hear more about Now After Nothing and what you guys have have going on. So I'm excited for it to come out. And uh, I, I hope to hear more from you all. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great.